Hello and welcome to Season 2 of Music Rewind, a podcast where we look to tell the stories behind our favorite albums. I'm your host, Steve Epley, and in each episode, I will invite a guest on to tell us about their favorite music album, how they discovered it, and what makes it special to them. Musicians, podcasters, audio engineers, or anyone with a passion for creating quality audio content needs the right equipment to make it happen. Look no further than Zounds. Zounds is the perfect place to get everything you need at a good price, delivered right to your home. Guitars, keyboards, microphones, amps, anything you need, Zounds has it. Please use the link in the show notes for the best music equipment sales online. Joining me today is a self-professed hip-hop nerd, Aaron Whitfield. Aaron is an educator, writer, motivational speaker, songwriter, and the host of the Black Introvert Podcast. Welcome, Aaron, and thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Steve, for having me. I'm excited to talk music, to talk life, and talk uh, connection, and uh, definitely vibe out some good songs today. Absolutely. Okay, Aaron, uh, let's jump right into this. What album did you bring to the table, and why is it special to you? You know, I could have brought several albums um, because when I looked and saw Pick Your Favorite Album, that's probably 100 albums, to be honest with you. But there are certain albums that I go back to um, that stay on my phone or stay on my Apple Music um, uh, podcast or stay on my Apple Music playlist. And one of those albums is Commons B album. Chosen one from the land of the frozen sun. With drunk nights can remember more than sober ones. Walk like warriors, we were never told to run. Explored the world to return to where my soul begun. Never looking back or too far in front of me. The present is a gift and I just want to be. And I picked this album because it reminds me of 19-year-old, 20-year-old me being in college, having time to sit down and listen to a full album, give it my full attention. And each track on the album is almost a soundtrack to my college years. And um, that album is really, when I look back at it and as we discuss it, it has so many roots going back years prior to that album's release, so many backstories. And so it's one of my favorite albums for the means for me right now as a 37-year-old uh, professional, but also, you know, when I was 21, 22, this album meant the world to me. I, I can see that. I mean, there's a, a definite a high level of passion that was put into this album. You could tell he had a lot to say. He did. And I think, um, you know, looking at that album, you almost have to go back. That album was released in 2005. You almost have to go back to 1996, 97, and some of the pre-stories to understand why that album is so important, not only to Common, but to just hip-hop in general. Um, because it's hip-hop was in a bad place prior to this album's release. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll say that specifically for Common. You know, in 1996, 1997, you have the murders of Tupac and Biggie. Mm -hmm. And that created this almost dark cloud that existed from 98, 99, 2001, 2002 in hip hop, in which the music, especially West Coast and East Coast music, it wasn't as defined. And so I think, and as we discussed, I think Common took some of those, you know, some of that cloud of, of, of darkness and created the album that he put out prior to this album B and that album that was poorly received called electric surf electric circus 
spawned this B album, which is now considered a hip hop classic. If that all makes sense. <laughs> it, it does. Um, as I going back to the, our season one episode with, with DMX, uh, he kind of filled in that, that gap and, 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 and my, my knowledge of hip hop is, is not, you know, what, what yours or, or others are, but the, it, it got it very angry. What, what you did here is just very, very angry. And this particular album did not this, it was almost a, uh, uh, almost like at times a spoken word over, over excellent music with a, a, a more concise message of it, it doesn't have to be angry. This can be poetry. This can be uh, more meaningful. It doesn't have to be just all anger all the time. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's that period of darkness. Um, you know, it's funny, DMX stands for Dark Man X. Um, but, you know, it's that period of darkness from about 99 to 2003 in which the music, I feel like hip-hop was trying to find its voice again, was trying to find its heart again. I think hip-hop music has always been about speaking for the people. But after the murders of two of your biggest stars, where do you go? And so the voice was lost and the heart was lost. But I also have to give recognition to uh, the Southern hip-hop music who sort of maintained hip-hop throughout 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003. They did a good job of carrying it. But hip-hop has generally been looked at as sort of the East Coast, West Coast type of music. And so um, 2000, those early 2000 years were, were dark and Common had to go into a dark place to seem into a place in which if I look back at his Electric Circus album, which came out right before the B album, three years prior to, he was in a place of discovery, of questioning, and of almost a dislike of hip-hop. And so out of that came this great album, B. Like I said, it's a classic album. It is a wonderful concept from beginning to end. It's a spoken word album. It is an album of vision, of heart, of love. It's, it's almost the perfect album. And it's crafted by Kanye West, crafted by Jay Dilla. It, it's, just, it's just everything that an album should be. Well, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned everything was East Coast and West Coast. And then this is literally geographically out of the middle, out of Chicago. Yeah. So that's, yeah. You know, I don't know if it blends both sides or if it's something completely new on its own. I don't know the field that way, but it's geographically, it's just fascinating that it does both, both common and Kanye both out of, is Jay Dill out of Chicago as well? Jay Dilla's out. It's funny, you know, being in the Midwest, um, he, Jay Dilla's out of Detroit. And so okay, the Midwest gets overlooked in the East Coast, West Coast sort of domination. Um, and it's, it was almost a growing voice. You know, you had Midwest acts like um, Bone Dugs and Harmony out of Cleveland. You had Do or Die, Twist out of Chicago. But, you know, this particular era of hip hop was interesting because you had someone else from the Midwest that was making a lot of noise in hip hop. And that person is Kanye West. And so right around that 2001, 2002 time, Kanye West, his name started popping up as an, as an artist and a producer and his name, his, his, his name, his, his music production, his music caught fire at the very time which Common needed someone to light him and light his album on fire. 
So at Common's almost lowest point, here you have Kanye West to the rescue, and those two teaming together created an incredible, incredible album. I hear a lot of Kanye in this. Um, uh, I'm not familiar with all of his catalog, but obviously Through the Wire, very popular song. Yes. I hear that style in this album on probably half the tracks. It's the early 2000s. Um, it was almost Kanye's signature sound of speeding up soul samples and creating yep. this high pitch. But he, he did it in such a way, others have tried it, but he mastered it. And so it was his sound. And, you know, I, I give him a lot of... Um, a lot of respect, especially in those early, you know, 2000s, uh, even reaching up to, you know, to this album, 2005, he crafted this album and the sound sonically is amazing. I mean, I, I can't think of, of another Kanye West produced album in which he produced for another artist that sounds as great as this. This one, this album sounds so fresh to samples, the way he chopped them up. Um, even the samples he picked, the sonically is beautiful. And I don't think he's reached that sense, especially with another artist. Like this album sounds so organic. It really did bring out the best in common. I, I agree. Uh, say, I enjoyed it. I, I did enjoy listening to this album. Uh, my usual process is to listen to the album and then I'll listen to it with the lyrics in front of me and, and follow along and, and just really a lot of, how do I was the the lyrics are one thing, but I really loved the music behind. It. Yeah. So I like like you said, they they meshed really really well. It, you know, and that's what I look for. Um, you know, back then, you know, when I was in my you know late teens, early twenties, and I was a kid from the suburbs team, and and so this was a perfect album, perfect time for me to be in hip hop. This was the sort of the age of what, what they call the backpacker movement, um, you know, in hip hop and in which, or the conscious uh, rapper movement in which you had dudes that weren't, you know, artists that weren't professing to be thugs, but they were professing to be intellectuals who were speaking about their own experiences. And, and I identify with that. I mean, I, I was from the suburbs. I, I, you can only thug, but so much from the suburbs. But, you know, with, with what Common was bringing, with what Kanye was bringing, even the way they dressed, uh, you know, with the polo shirts and, and uh, you know, backpacks, like that was my style back then. And that's what I knew. And so you had all these artists at about that 2003, 2004, 2005, Lupe Fiasco was another one, Pharrell. You had all these artists that were just creating music that spoke to... Kids like me, young men like me, young women uh, who, who wanted something else besides the negative aspects that sometimes hip hop can glorify. Ah, well put. Uh, that's uh, uh, a good way to put it. What I was trying to say earlier, where with the everything was anger and your almost your boilerplate 40s blunts and bitches, you know, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, 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 that style. Whereas, like I said, the intellectual, the, different approach to, to this and uh, to hip hop in general. And it's, and that's why I like it. I think it's, 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 uh, it's very approachable to from, from any, any walk of life. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's a, um, it's almost a hip hop 
R&B, jazz, soul album combined. A lot of soul in there. Absolutely. There's a ton of soul. And it's that, it's that um, you know, I think one of the heavy influences on this album was the neo-soul movement uh, that was coming out of uh, Philadelphia at the time with Erica Badu, Jill Scott, that smooth neo-soul sound that at the moment in which hip-hop was losing its voice and its soul, the neo-soul R&B movement was finding its voice and overtaking that sort of lane of hip-hop. And so when I listen to, you know, to this album, when I listen to B, it definitely has a neo-soul uh, flair and flavor in which it's just so smooth and so easy to listen to, but then the lyrics are 100% hip-hop and poetry. So it's that perfect combination of great lyrics, great production, and it really is the album that everyone can get something out of. You know, if, if you need a love song, you got it. If you need a, uh, a song just about, you know, the life, the city life, you got it. If you need a song reflection, you have it. Every sort of emotion was hit on the album. So walk me through the album. How do you listen to it? Is it straight through or is it certain tracks? Straight through. And this is one of the few albums because it's only 11 tracks, which I remember at the time being annoyed um, because, you know, hip hop <laughs> used to have, used to get 20 tracks, 24 tracks on an album. It's like, that's what you paid for. And this is back when I was buying, you know, CDs. And so to go from, you know, buying a CD with 24 tracks to getting a CD with 11 tracks and I'm still paying the same price, I was annoyed. Well, and on, on that note, it's, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, we, we talked about earlier before we started recording with um, so, some hip hop albums don't age well. And I actually went back and listened to the chronic again recently. Mm-hmm. And aside from several standout songs, for, as I listened to it all the way through, no, it, it as the 41 year old me did not enjoy it as much as there's a lot of tracks in there that are maybe, maybe 30 seconds. Why is that even there? It's, it's, it's a bit of nonsense, a bit of nonsense, a great song, bit of nonsense. You know, they, some of the humor doesn't hit as well, but it just, it, that one didn't age as well to me. Whereas, like you said, 11 tracks, this is pretty perfect. It, it's pretty perfect. I mean, it is, um, I think, and I think that's the challenge with hip hop and also just a challenge with, with music in general, as we get older, I think I'll say as I've gotten older, I think my attention span has gotten shorter, but I also believe that that my ear has changed. And so some of the, uh, you know, some of the messages that I didn't hear before I hear now. Oh yeah. And, and some of the, some of the themes that I didn't hear before that I tuned out, they're so clear now. And plus I have, I have a conscience. And so, you know, some of my favorite artists, and I still say, you know, there's some of my favorite albums from my favorite artists. When I listen to them, it's hard for me to go back and be in that mindset because I'm not there anymore. But this album is one of those albums that from beginning to end, beginning to end, it's, it's 11 tracks starting with the intro, which when I'm thinking about intros for albums, this intro... Um, from the plucking of the bass guitar to it, it, it builds up a a measured level of anticipation from track one. I, I love the intro. Uh, yes, they got that upright bass uh, playing a jazzy scale, oh. uh, just just up and down, and then you almost get it's it's like a like almost video game MIDI style track that that blends in, and then and then yeah. the beat keeps going. I, it was, it was a, I loved that intro. 
one of the most perfect intros because it built the anticipation up, but then it's almost we got to hear a new voice of common. You know, and, and, and prior to prior to this album, he put out, um, he was on a Kanye West song um, called Get Him High. And it was the first time that, that, you know, as Common fans, we heard Common since his album Electric Circus, which did not do well, which was still a good album in hindsight, but it just didn't do well. So we heard him on Get Him High and he just sounded refreshed. And it sounded like new old Common. And so that just built up a level of anticipation. And so once we, you know, when I heard him on the intro of this album of B, it's like, oh my gosh, he didn't lose it from the Kanye West track. In fact, he gained some because he's talking about who he is as a man. He's talking about having vision. He's talking about, about just wanting to be in society. I want to be as free as the spirits of those who left. I'm talking Malcolm Coltrane, my man Youssef. Through death, through conception, new breath and resurrection. For arms, new steps in that direction in the right way. Told inside is where the fight lay. And everything good do may not be what he might say. Chicago. And I think it's so clever. It's so, it's so beautiful how he, how he titled his album B. Because I think that's something that, you know, a lot of us, including myself, we all just sort of want to be in our own skin, be in our own place. And uh, so, you know, just from Jump, just from the intro, he did a beautiful job of, of crafting lyrics that spoke to each person, whoever listens to this album, you're going to get something from the intro. And it, and it just ushers you into track two through 11, in just a beautiful way. I agree. And then, yeah, that, that flows well into track two, the corner, to, to my, you know, best... Uh, comprehension of you he's kind of reminiscing about his time in chicago and how in his his roots where he grew up this is a um it's it's the perfect blend of the smoothness of the intro to all of a sudden you get like this sort of a thumping hip-hop soul sample of a beat it's almost like the yin and the yang now i roll in the o's with windows that don't roll down the roads with cars get broken and stole these are the stories told by stony and cottage grove the world is cold the block is hot as a stove on the corners i wish i could keep this feeling i wish i could keep this feeling you're right he takes it from you know the introspection of sort of reflecting on self to now let me talk about the city in which i live and let me talk about the people um who are in the city that i live let me give honor to those who raise me who, who those who are on the corner or those who you know just are in my life and so he blended it so well and I remember you know this is during the days of illegal downloading so I don't know if I'm going to tell him myself but but um I've already done a Metallica episode we're good oh okay just, just make sure <laughs> it, I downloaded that beat to the corner because I, I I was just it was the drums it was the uh Everything about it brought me almost to Chicago. Like, I felt like I was in Chicago on the corner listening to the album. The way he penned the lyrics um, and, and, and the way he, he painted verbally on that song, on that track, and he painted Chicago in the 80s and 90s, and he painted so well that a kid from the suburbs in Ohio felt like I was there. I felt like I was there. And then on top of that, you know, to have, you know, the spoken word poetry aspect 
Yeah, that that was neat because uh, that's that guy spoke with with a confidence, uh, it, you know, uh, like he was standing on a street corner, prophesizing to to anyone who would listen. Yeah, he he. It was um the last poets who was the classic, almost um classic poetry group from I believe like the seventies, and to put them on that track it just created the perfect narrative of, of hip hop, of poetry, of really just soul. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it was a perfect blend on that track to just really vibe out and really get a Chicago feel mm-hmm. of, of, of what Common was painting. It, it was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Then it uh, kicks it up another notch with go for track three. This, this is an interesting song. Um, because, you know, the story behind Go is that John Mayer, Kanye West, um, and, and Common all went to go see the movie Ray, uh, of course, the Ray Charles movie at the time. Mm-hmm. And they went to go see the movie and they were inspired by the movie. And so they came back to the studio and crafted Go. And it was uh, John Mayer's idea, who, of course, you know, John Mayer at 2004, 2005, he was the, the it guy. And mm-hmm. so he, um, he came up with the idea, you know, tell Common, why don't you talk about your fantasies? Talk about your sexual fantasies. And at first, Common was against it, but then he, he went with it. And I, and I love the beat. You know, it, it's one of those beats that um, it's just so smooth, but it also picks up the pace of the album. It, it takes you from the corner to maybe the nightclub, maybe the jazz club. Everybody run back to your fantasy now. She was up bad. The type at the club would grab her. Fantasize when I had her. In the bathroom sweating with her. The body of a dancer. We had chemistry because she was a cancer. Not forever it would last for. It shifts the, the vibe of the album just enough and picks up just enough energy of, you know, Let's go back and let's talk about your sexual fantasy. You know, let's talk about, you know, let's talk about that. Let's not overlook that sort of side of our life. And so to take, you know, the inspiration from the movie Ray and then to, you know, to craft it and, and, and turn it into a beat and to add John Mayer over a Kanye West hip hop sample beat. It's like, can it get any, any better at that time? It was unexpected. I could tell you that it was an unexpected. It's like John Mayer's he's, he's on a common album with Kanye. You can't make that up. And so, um, yeah, no, that's just, it's a perfect song. It's the perfect high energy song to an album that is so smooth. It provided just enough pick me up to get you to the next tracks on the album. Yeah. I like this one. I mean, it was a, a wild story. Definitely. If you're just playing attention, I mean, yeah, but picking up a girl in the bathroom and, and things go from there. I was not what I was expecting, but it was definitely a uh, crazy story. <laughs> it, it's it's a um, he paints the narrative. It's, it's it's common outside. I think almost outside of his element, just a bit. But I like okay. that. You know, I it, can, it's, uh, it's, compared to the rest of the album, absolutely. So yeah, it was yeah. say it was unexpected. Yep, it was it was unexpected. It was, it, but it, I'm glad he put it on track three because the sequencing of this album was amazing. You know, it, it, it wasn't just random songs scattered about each song flowed into one another. 
And mm-hmm. so he, he, it seemed like each song was almost like a yin and the yang uh, and just feeding off one another just um, in such an organic way. So then uh, track four, Faithful. Uh, and this is where we get into the, that Kanye style, the, the, the sample sped up. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, again, just like Through the Wire, it works on this song quite well. It, it works. I mean, to go from to go from go, and let's talk about your sexual fantasy. To go to faithful, <laughs> it's like what? It's like, okay, <laughs> okay, you, you changed it up again. Good and bad, call on her like I'm chirping. I couldn't be jealous because other brothers worship her, walk this earth for her glory. I'm grateful to be in her presence. I try to stay faithful. Faithful is almost what I feel like Commons Lane was because, you know, he, he spent a long time working with producers such as No ID, who crafted his first couple of albums, who was a wonderful, um, you know, producer who Kanye West studied under. And then he also worked, of course, with Jay Dilla, who Kanye West was heavily influenced by Jay Dilla, um, who also used soul samples. And so, this song I felt like was almost his comfort zone to talk about the human existence, talk a little bit, to talk about faith, to talk about love, to talk about connection and the human connection. I felt like common, this was his voice on this album. I think this one almost set the tone for, I would say at least for the tracks on this album, faithful, was the beginning of what this album really was truly about. Um, finding self, being in a place in which you're satisfied with who you are, but also understanding that, you know, this world is much bigger than any one individual and that we have to be, you know, faithful within it. And, and on the, that note, the, he questions what faithful means in the song. You know, the different verses are kind of different scenarios of what faithful means and you start and the picture he's painting you know you have one person can have one interpretation as far as oh yeah that guy's completely faithful and then the next guy down the road is going to say no that guy's that guy's a dirtbag he's not faithful at all yeah so it's all yeah you listener interpretation it's painting the human experience you know we we are all contradictions there's so many contradictions contradictions that we have within our lifetime and so um you know, he's, he's painting and telling a story of our perfect imperfections and, you know, and leaving room for conversations such as, you know, the conversation we're having right now, almost 20 years later. Yeah. This album is a conversation piece in which, you know, you can listen and pull different sort of aspects and have conversation around music and leave and leave it up to, you know, to the people conversing to sort of decipher what is the true meaning. And so um, that's where I look at Common as an artist on this album. You know, he, he uh, I said the word paint, you know, more than a couple of times, but his artistry allowed him to paint and create these narratives that, that are still relevant and, and, you know, today. And so, um, you know, Faithful is an excellent track that I think, like I said, it really sets off the tone um, of this overall album at least three to four of the tracks. And then uh, it's worth noting also the, the backing vocals. You have John Legend in there. Oh, from my hometown of Springfield, Ohio. Yes. John, John Legend. Legend. Yeah. yeah. He's on a couple of uh, tracks, I think for this album. Yep. 
John Legend was signed to Kanye's Good Music uh, label. So yeah, he and uh, Common were both on Kanye's label and he did wonderful background vocals. Um, and also Bilal, who we'll talk about, he may, who we may talk about later, um, also does wonderful background uh, vocals on this album too. Uh, track five, Testify, is one of my favorite ones off the album. I enjoyed this one a lot because this is another crazy-ass story. Yes, yes. If you, if you make it, uh, I mean, if someone doesn't listen to the whole track, you're not going to get the crazy, but this was a good one. This was, you know, I, I remember this song when it dropped because it came out, there was a mini movie sort of, uh, this is during the age also, let me go back. Now I got age myself, but this is during the age of music videos in which MTV actually showed music videos all the time. And so now, you know, you don't get that on MTV at all. But, um, but this, uh, this mini movie, um, this music video dropped for Testify and it had... Uh, Taraji P. Henson had Bill Duke, oh, really? had Wood Harris, um, and it, it played out exactly like the track. I mean, it, it, it was like it was almost like I'm really gonna age myself. When Michael Jackson used to put out the mini movies, you know, with his albums, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, it's it took you back. It was a little bit of nostalgia with that because it wasn't just a music video. You know, there were points in between in which the song stopped and you got more context as to what the scene was and then we'll hop right back into the song and to have actual noted actors in the music video made it seem like you were watching a nine-minute movie. Um, and and it, was, it, was, it was wonderful. It was just what this album needed. I'll let's check that out after this. That's yeah. I, I want to see. I want to see this played out. So yeah, I'm gonna check that out. Her for her eyes to connect with him, using her lies for protecting him. They arrested him for murder and gun possession. As they read back her confession, she screamed. And this was like the latter end of the age of hip hop music videos. And so, um, yeah, Common making this mini movie for this album. And I believe he put this single, I, I believe he put Testify out as a single too. Um, but yeah, it just, he did. it was, it was, it was wonderful. Um, it was wonderful. And the storytelling aspect uh, of Common was definitely on full display because he can tell some stories. I mean, he really is, as they call him, hip hop's Gil Scott Heron. He is hip hop's uh, poet. He is hip hop's narrator. That's why you, heck, he is the narrator of, of plenty of companies. Um, you know, and, and people love his voice and the way he can tell a story is, you know, is one of a kind. To, to anyone that hasn't heard the, the song out there, it, it's, it's about a woman pleading in court to not lock her love away. And then at the end of the song, the prosecutor realizes that the, it was all a show and she was the mastermind behind whatever he did. Yeah. You know, the, mm -hmm. the murder and, and, uh, uh, the queen pin. That's, that's great. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, nah, it, it was amazing. It was amazing. He did a, um, I mean, a fantastic job. And like I said, check out the video cause it will all come together. So those who are listening, definitely check out the video. Then track six, we've got uh, love is, which I believe this is the Jay Dilla one. Yes, okay. one of one of two Jay Dilla tracks. Jay Dilla is a is an incredible producer out out of Detroit who Common actually lived with, 
Um, so they were really good friends and uh, they lived together. They shared an apartment in Los Angeles. And um, Jay Dilla did a lot of the production on Common's prior album, Electric Circus, which was not received well. And so um, to see the switch to go from a predominantly Jay Dilla and Questlove um, produced Electric Circus album to all of a sudden to a Kanye West produced album with only two Jay Dilla tracks. Initially, it looked odd, but this song fit right in. Um, and it shows the mastery of Jay Dilla. Everybody loves someone I attract shade. Heard of the love of money, but compassionate pays. Talk about it with my youth so she understand what it is to be loved by a man. Uh. How beautiful love can be on the streets. Love is hard to see. During this time, Jay Dilla had, I believe he had lupus. I be, and if I go back, I, I think he died in 2007. And so he put out an instrumental album called Donuts, in which he was literally on his deathbed. And the one thing that he wanted was donuts. And so for all the listeners out there, go back and listen to this album called Donuts by Jay Dilla, in which he can't speak. And so he's using... The, the, the genius of Jay Dilla is to take tracks and to chop it up. And because he couldn't speak, he would take words from the albums and use it as his voice on this Donuts album. It's incredible, which is why Jay Dilla is so highly revered, even more so than Kanye West when it comes to hip hop production. But this song, Love Is, um, it's the, the it's common in, in Jay Dilla. It's two brothers linking together to produce music that is just so organic. I mean, in listening to this to this song, I could tell like this wasn't the first time they worked together. Like they had a chemistry, mm. common new. A few people I think can can rhyme over a beat like that. That's not your typical hip hop beat. It's a little slow, but it's the perfect beat for common. And Jay Dilla knows that, and Common knows that. And so I look at it, look at it as a welcome addition, um, you know, to this album, including using Marvin Gaye, I believe, as a sample. I mean, if you're going to sample somebody, Marvin Gaye is a good person. <laughs> yeah, right. From. Yeah. So, um, now, incredible, incredible soul record, um, and just understanding, you know, two years later after this release, I believe Jay Dilla's dead. Wow. And so he uh he he made these tracks. Wow, you know, these are some of the last tracks that that were that were given um to the mainstream, you know, prior to his death. And so this is a special track on this album. And I'm I'm glad it's right there in the middle, almost cementing uh Jay Dilla's legacy for you know listeners not only 2005 but 2022. Make me want to go back and listen to it. Like now, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. It's that song. It's, emotion, it's an emotional song. And so this is where I think, once again, going from Testify, you know, being on your seat to the, uh, or the edge of your seat with the storyline of Testify to switching up the pace and, and bringing it back down to, to the reflective state of love is. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's changing speeds at just the right time. And, and, you know, and love is we'll almost transition to the next track, shy city, uh, which is more of an up-tempo track, which picks the speed back up. 
Yeah, you could tell that was definitely deliberate in the track flow. It was, um, I mean, just Shy City is is a, uh, it's almost taking the corner and, and creating an anthem for the whole city. You know, let's take one aspect of Chicago and talk about the corner. Now let's talk about the city and, and in common, once again, painting the narrative of why he and so many of the other artists represent Chicago each day and every day. You know, we talk about Los Angeles, we talk about New York, people talk nowadays about Atlanta, about Houston, but Chicago is a major hub of music, of food, of art, culture. And so I love how he put this sort of shy city anthem on here for the whole city to really uh, get behind and for him to pay homage. It's, it's kind of a, a lament against the lack of substance in the current hip hop game and telling people that look to, look to Chicago. He's got that line in there. Um, where's hip hop going? It's Chicago. And that's, yeah, yeah. that's a great line. <laughs> Unless it's DMC or running these bras to being free. I'm harder than the times. You hardly scary. Holding gaps inside you. Cat is highly buried. They ask me where hip hop is going. It's Chicago and poetry's in motion. Like a picture now showing is the city. The city, y'all. The city, uh. And at that time, it really was. You know, at that time, like I said, you had Kanye West, who was just, he was the new, hot guy in not only just rap and hip-hop, but just in the music industry. And so, you know, we, we see Kanye West now, and it's like, who you know, he's huge, he's big. But this is where it started. And so, you know, Kanye West being from Chicago, and then you had other acts that were following, you know, behind him. You had Lupe Fiasco, who was supposed to be the next big Chicago artist uh, who Jay-Z was looking to sign, who everybody was, was throwing in money uh, to sign Lupe Fiasco out of Chicago. So Chicago was really looking like the next big place for hip-hop. It was going to be hip-hop's, in some ways, new Atlanta, the new city, um, and so, yeah, this was a, uh, a, a rep your city type of track in which um, it was, you know, speaking to where hip hop, where the soul of hip hop was at the current time, the soul of the backpack movement, the soul of, of you know, the voice of, you know, the everyday people. He was saying it, it, it's found here in Chicago. And so it, it's a wonderful track to pay, you know, to pay tribute to the city that, that he loves. If we, uh, if we have time at the end, I'll tell you my, my beef with Kanye. And it goes back to Bonnaroo 2008. So, uh, well. Oh, let me know. Uh, please oh. <laughs> I have beef with Kanye, too. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, track nine, next one up. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Track eight is The Food. Oh. The live one from Chappelle's show. I, so, I was hoping we'd get to this track. So I told y'all before that um, Common had a song called uh, Get Em High on Kanye West's College Dropout album. Mm -hmm. That came out, I think, in like 2003. Um, and so there was a gap in between 2003 and 2004, um, which we didn't hear much from Common. During this time, of course, you know, this is when I'm in college, the Dave Chappelle show. Chappelle show was like, that was huge. Huge. Yeah. And so... Once again, this goes back, like, there were so many different factors in that made this album 
great and genius. Not only production, not only Common's voice, not only the the lack of um, uh, you know critical success you know with his previous album, but this sort of Dave Chappelle phenomenon feeding into this album. And so he appeared on the Chappelle show in I believe it was like October um, of 2004. And he premiered this song called The Food. And I remember watching it thinking like, oh my gosh, this song is absolutely great. Now, if you go back and watch the video, the video's a little weird on the Chappelle show because if I remember correctly, there were like puppets, there were Muppets or puppets in the, they were in the kitchen. Kanye was sort of cooking something. It was weird. I, I do remember because this is the only song from the album that I knew going in. And, mm-hmm. and I knew it because of Chappelle show. Yeah. That was the only reason I knew. Looking back, it's like, what, what, what was happening? Like, why did, could you leave the puppets alone? Could you, but I believe they were in there. Maybe, you know, I, I could have a foggy memory. But what I do remember is, once again, just hearing Common and hearing his voice and seeing the confidence and seeing the style and going back almost to Common to his, to his roots of the B-boy um, that he's, he's always professed himself to be. And it was on full display on this track in front of a live studio audience. And, and I remember just watching it and I, and I was just like amazed by the song. But then to hear the audience's reaction mm-hmm. after they stopped, you hear it in the track, you know, with the live track in which the audience just erupted with applause. And it was, it was almost like Common is officially back. He's officially back. On the block is how you can feel it. And your skin in there. Shorties get the game with no instructions to assemble it. Eyes right, it seem like the fight is imminent. Call my man cousin like I'm kin to him. He trying to stay straight. The streets is better though. Walked in the crib. Got two kids and my baby mama late. And I think that was like the first time that we saw because there was a, there was probably about a six month, um, six more months to like the actual release of this album. But that was a huge anticipation um, of what could happen with this upcoming album. And so I'm glad they put the live version of the food on the album as opposed to the uh, studio uh, recording of the food because it just doesn't hit the same. Mm. I have both on my computer. It does not feel the same at all. So, so there is a studio version of it? There is a studio version and it, it, it doesn't, you need that live audience, you know, and I think he needed that vibe almost goes with this whole sort of, this is an album about of course about him, but it's also for the people. He needed some of the energy from the people on this album. And so, um, yeah, there is a, a studio recording version, check it out, but it, I guarantee the live version minus the, minus the puppets, the live version <laughs> is incredible. And I believe it's a Sam Cooke sample um, that's, that the food is based on. And that mm. song, if I remember correctly, just going back to my 2005 memory, Kanye did not make this song for Common. I believe he made this song for Mariah Carey. Oh. But just a little nugget out there. Interesting. So um, I, I believe I read that back, back when I was reading. You know, I mean, this is, you know, like I said, during the days, I'm a hip-hop nerd. 
And so when I was reading articles in, in you know, Music Vibe magazine, The Source magazine, Double XL magazine, getting all this sort of knowledge, I believe I read that it's for Mariah Carey. But this is an incredible song. Which that leads into track nine, uh, Real People. Real People bleeds into track eight. You know, you take the real people from the audience and the energy from the audience, and then you talk about, you know, the realness of of who we are as human beings. Um, and I think, you know, when I look at hip hop artists, who does a great job? Who, what artist does a, does a fantastic job of speaking about the people? Tom and Common has to be top five, top three about that because, and I think that's what makes him so. He seems, he seems very real. Yeah. He, whereas many, many uh, artists just in, in any genre, it's a front. It's a stage persona you know, this guy could be the, the the rock star. This guy could be the thug. Nine times out of ten, probably it's it's a stage persona that would become as the poet. And like you said, he's he's real and he is speaking for the people. And and there it, there doesn't seem to be any phoniness in there whatsoever. No, it, it, it he seems likable, you know. And it's one yeah, of those things yeah. where where in, it's okay in hip hop and in stardom, he may not be, but he seems likable. And, and he, he crafted a song, you know, once again, taking from songs like, uh, like The Corner, like Shy City, you know, and, and, and talking about real people, the realness that, that we all face, not just the celebrity, not just the, the hip hop star, but, you know, our ordinary Joes, our, our everyday struggles that we face as people, the highs, the lows, and the in-betweens. So the purple haze, the circle days, the rhyme and work the pains. Trying to reverse the slave mind and assert the brave mentality. Heard that it's drama at home. Can a dude break free and still get honored at home? I was told by a chief, it's the game's nature. When you're glowing, some are loving, some are hate you. It's real people. This, I think, is one of those almost slept on tracks. It's overlooked because you have another great song coming up on track 10 and, and then parting on track 11. But Real People is a, uh, is a wonderful sort of glue aspect on this album. It definitely ties in the food to the next track, uh, they say, um, which I feel like Common was almost, this was almost his declaration in his, uh, in his saying his piece about not only who he is as an artist, but um, about his last album. Yeah. And, and I got that from the, from the lyrics. Uh, they say is, is one of, one of my uh, other takeaway standout tracks from this album, uh, along with the intro and testify. Uh, but you've got a definite feel of him, you know, kind of speaking to his haters that say he may have either sold out or, or gone away from his roots, but he's, he's saying that he maintains his original values while still having a desire for success, but he's still going to make his music his way. They say my life is comparable to Christ. The way I sacrificed and resurrected twice. They say the crocheted pants and the sweater was black. Seen the corner, now they say that back. Uh. They say what's happening. We say the facts and then they lie. We coming back for them. You know, the funny thing, I listened to Electric Circus, the album again today, with fresh ears. And it's a good album. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good album. And it may be, I wouldn't say it's a great album, but it's a good album. But it caught a lot of flack because 
in 2002 when hip hop was looking for consistency, when hip hop was looking for, let's take it back to 1996, 1997, this, uh, the Electric Circus album was almost like Afro, hip hop, funk, futuristic type that did not fit in 2002. And so I think that every artist, you know, and whether you are an artist, if you're a musician, if you are a, an author, if you, whatever your artistry is, you deserve to do an album that is strictly for you. And I think that uh, Electric Circus album was an album that Common needed to do to bring himself here to the point of B. But I think that it was almost ahead of its time. Because also at that time, you had, you know, you had Andre 3000 creating uh, The Love Below. You had The Roots put out uh, Phrenology, which was an almost another genre-bending um, album. I think that Common, and, and I think he said it in the interviews, he did not like hip-hop music, so he went a different... He, he, he went from the hip-hop artist or the hip-hop musician, the rapper, to an artist with Electric Circus, and he maintained the artistry here on B, just in a more hip-hop familiar way. I think they say was definitely a, um, a response to, as you said, you know, the, the criticism that he was facing that, you know, he had one line, they say a brother lost his mind, but it, uh, like they, they were saying he went crazy. He was dating Erica Badu and, they, and, and people were saying, oh, he changed up his whole style and he changed up his whole everything about him because he's dating Erica Badu. He's lost his step. He doesn't have it anymore. And so this is his response saying like, no, no, not only do I have it, I've gained something from this past album. And, and that, you know, although people may not necessarily be feeling this album, this is, you know, this, this almost brought me here. It's almost a natural step. Well, it's with any uh, any music, especially for longstanding artists that that are able to put out, you know, five, ten plus albums. There's there's going to be a musical evolution for that particular artist or band, and and some of the uh, the best bands out there, they'll have what appear to be duds, but like you said, ahead of their time. Coming up, I've got Bruce Springsteen, Nebraska which was before Born in the USA, it's a folk album. It's literally just Bruce Springsteen, guitar and harmonica, and like some rather random instruments. But it was very you know, poorly received, not poorly, but just kind of like the, the, what you mentioned. It's a good album, but it wasn't, what, it wasn't Thunder Road. Mm -hmm. Whereas, and then he came out with Born in the USA like a year or two later, and that exploded. But then you go back and listen to it now. It's like, man, that was ahead of its time. That's a wonderful album. Yeah. Uh, but you go back through the Rolling Stones. You go back through the Beatles, uh, Van Halen, uh, Radiohead. Perfect example. Uh, the the album I did with uh, uh, with Luke, Radiohead and Rainbows. That was a transition point for them because they had, uh, I believe it was eight albums before that, which they exploded in the '90s, and then the fans kind of slowly disliked each album in succession. And then in rainbows came in and it was their, 
it was their B I could say, because it was their chance to, they, their record label, they broke off with EMI. It was their first kind of independent album that they could do without any interference. And it was just their music, their way. And uh, I love musical evolutions of artists. I like to hear yeah. the beginning, the middle and the end, and just hear how, how many, it, it's great when they try different things. Absolutely. It, it's, um, you know, when I look at artists, when I look at, you know, and just the people in general, um, but you know, for this, you know, sake of this conversation, we'll stick with musicians. You know, sometimes you need a good fu album. You know, yeah. th- there has to be. <laughs> I mean, for lack of better words, it's 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 one of those because it is a uh, music industry, and they are crafting hits based upon their consumers. And so sometimes you need an album, to, you know, to to uh, it's almost the same fu to the to the proverbial man to almost the middle finger album. And I think that's what Commons uh, Electric Circus was. It was, you know, to go from, he had some songs, uh, what was it? Star 69, Love, Jimmy Was a Rock Star. Um, like he had some, some, some weirder titles that to the average hip hop fan, like Jimmy, who's Jimmy? We talk about Jimi Hendrix, but, but, you know, who wants to talk about Jimi Hendrix in 2002 when they want, when the average hip hop consumer wants uh, DMX or Biggie or what, like who wants to talk about Jimi Hendrix? And, and so um, I think it's one of those albums that, that will age well, almost like um, the example I have is Marvin Gaye's Here, My Dear. There you go. In which it's, it's like, you know, this is the album you're going to get. It may not be the album full of hits. It may, it may not be the album that you want or that's going to sell, but this is what I'm giving you as an artist. And F you. You know, it, it, it's that. It, and some of that is just, you know, to borrow from, uh, from George Costanza's artistic, was it, artistic integrity. You know, it, it's, it's that. It's, it's being able to do what you want to do and not let the major labels, not let the mainstream push you and pull you into crafting something that your heart isn't in. And this was, this was on Kanye's label, right? So yes, this was, he changed from, um, I believe he went from MCA and his label. So this MCA electric circus was on MCA and then MCA consolidated into Geffen. And so he signed with Kanye's uh, Good Music, and I believe he put this album out on Geffen. I think that's what it's called, uh, G-E-F-F-E-N. And so that's how this came about. But he, um, you know, toward the end of that deal with MCA, I mean, they, they stopped promoting that, um, that, uh, that Electric Circus album. He released a song that had Pharrell Williams in it called Come Close and Mary J. Blige. It's a beautiful song, but it was hard for people to wrap their minds around because I believe he had on green pants that were crocheted. They were yarned together. So yeah, so like the visual was weird for the album and and he was wearing almost like 70s clothes. It was just a really different vibe than the baggy jeans and oversized t-shirts of early 2000s it's like what is common doing for the average hip-hop fan but i think you know he addressed it on on they say and couple that with 
with Kanye's verse and, of course, John Legend uh, on the hook. Um, this is another one of those songs that provided a bit more tempo. And I think he almost did that every other track. It's a bit more tempo mm-hmm. to almost close out the album on track 11. Yeah, track 11 is uh, It's Your World, part one and two. One of my favorites. Um, and this is another, the other Jay Dilla one. The other Jay Dilla. You know, this is the Common put out a, an album, I believe, in 2007. And I believe it was after Jay Dilla died. I believe so. I, I have to check on that. But this is another one of those songs that uh, with Bilal on the, uh, on the background vocals with the falsetto, um, the perfect sort of pitch, slow down the album. He almost started this song, much like the intro, as a point of reflection. And, and it's, it's, it's the perfect bookend to close the album, including featuring, once again, featuring his father uh, on, I believe, on every album uh, leading up to this point. His father is featured on the last track, uh, Pops Lynn. My generation never understood working for the man. And of being broke, I ain't a fan. Now I stand in the same spot as my old man. My life, I plan not to be on this corner. I still want to see California, but this is my world. He once again combines the soul with the poetry, uh, with hip-hop. And just created this beautiful Jay Dilla track that was definitely one of the standouts on the album. Absolutely. Yeah, this was a, an excellent closure to both, you know, the album and the message he's trying to get across as far as, you know, you have the potential no matter where you come from, as long as you stay true to yourself. Yeah. And once again, just his ability to storytell, his ability to, you know, if you close your eyes and listen to this album, you know, to, to certain tracks, you're going to place yourself right in to the, uh, the, to the subject's shoes, uh, right into their uh, environment. And so, now this is a beautiful eight minutes. I believe it's like eight minutes and like 30 second long track. It's your world part one and two. And um, he crafted the intro and the outro. This being, I guess, the, the outro beautiful you know if, if i were going to write if i were going to a and r an album this is the format that i would choose 11 tracks and be just as strong in the first track in your intro as you are on your last track you know this is this isn't an album filled with fillers no there's no filler there's not an empty song on here yeah no filler at all there's no there's, there's no room for empty there's no room for fillers on this on this album you have a almost a a book a narrative, a personal narrative, taking you from chapter one to chapter 11 in just under 43 minutes. And, and it leaves you wanting more. I think that's the genius of these almost these, these shorter albums. This one left you wanting more, where if you have 11 tracks you don't like, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. This one left such a taste where it's like, I'm anticipating the next album two years later. Like I spent the next two years like, okay, when are we coming out with another album? <laughs> That's how great of a taste this album left uh, just, just within me. And it really just imprinted, you know, the words, the, the lyrics, the production, 
this takes me back to 2005 when I had a whole bunch of hair and I, you know, and I, and I, I didn't have any bills. And I was in college and the sun was shining. Like this is just a uh, absolutely beautiful album. So B major top spot. Uh, what albums made your shortlist? Okay. If I'm going uh, my shortlist, you know, I have to go back to that almost, you know, same era of my life. Um, there's an album called uh, below the heavens produced by is blue and exile and exile is uh they're both from california and it is almost the album of my early from 19 to 21 okay you know blue at the time is i believe blue when he released the album was like 19 or 20 like every song that he released that was on that album i felt because i was in the same age uh age you know bracket and and so um i would definitely put Blue and Exile, um, Below the Heavens in my top list. Um, Jay-Z's Blueprint album produced uh, by Kanye West uh, and Just Blaze. Uh, that 2001 album, I still say is Jay-Z's best collective work in which Kanye West, his sound, and Just Blaze, another producer who sort of uh, mimics some of the uh, soul sampling of Kanye West and other producers, Jay Dill at the time, both of those young producers at the time reinvented Jay-Z almost into the Jay-Z hip hop, um, you know, greatest of all time artists that we see today. You know, he, he was good before, but with that album, he was great in a show that he can make songs for the streets and for the radio. Yeah. And so I would put that in my, um, you know, my top list and, Oh my goodness, another album. Um, you know, even though it's an instrumental album, I, I'm going to put uh, Jay Dilla's Donuts. Okay. Um, because as someone who, as someone who understands the power of music, but also understands loss, you know, and, and loss of life, you know, and just understanding the story of, of a man making an album on his deathbed and hearing it, it's emotional, you know, it's, it's an emotional album. So, um, you know, I, I would put that up there too. Yeah. I definitely have to check that one out. I'm, I'm very curious about that one. You know, listen to it. And then also, you know, I mean, check out some, uh, there's a Jay Dilla, uh, there's a stone's throw documentary on YouTube. I believe it's on YouTube that explains a bit more about the story, but I mean, he was in a wheelchair, he was in the hospital bed with, wow. you know, just, just, just his mom will bring in, um, his NPC and he could barely move or do anything. And, and he was losing weight and making beats. And, you know, that's artistry. That is artistry. And so, um, yeah, definitely check that one out. Yeah, I will. That's, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very curious about that one. Well, before we wrap this up, uh, tell our listeners what you're working on, where they can find you and anything you would like to pitch. You know, I am, uh, I'm working on, I'm an educator, as you mentioned before. And so um, my passion is to go and, and create curriculums that bring um, life and joy to young people in the classroom. And so currently I'm developing curriculums uh, involving uh, local libraries and library systems, but also uh, just how do you create culture, culture winning in the classroom. So if any of the listeners are looking for someone to help create a culture of positivity, a culture of expectation, and a culture of 
really just vision and creativity, reach out to me because this is what I do uh, as an educator, as someone who believes in serving in the community. Um, you can also check me out on uh, Spotify with my podcast, The Semi-Social Life of a Black Introvert, uh, because contrary to as many words as I've talked you know, today, I'm really a pretty quiet person. Um, and so, um, you know, the semi-social life of a black intro podcast is my sort of viewpoint on life. It's my, uh, counseling and therapy session that I drop and release every week. Um, other than that, you know, writing some books, um, I'm a, so- I'm a songwriter myself, hopefully in this year. Um, I, my goal is to release a hip hop album. So, you know, you may, oh, great. you may, you may hear that. And, and, you know, I guess the last thing I have, uh, I also, you know, I have kids. And so um, I created this uh, hip hop sort of chill, relax um, uh, bedtime album um, that I made okay. for my kids way back. I, I made for them years ago and they are just now hearing it. And so um, they are 10 and, and nine. And so I may also release that. But um, yeah, just check me out. That's pretty I'm cool. On, that's pretty I'm cool. On the internet, uh, iamufali.com. That is I A M M U F A L I.com. I am Ufali. And yeah, I'm trying to do a couple of different things. We'll put links to all your stuff in the show notes for this guy. Cool, cool, cool. So, 2008, Bonnaroo. Kanye West is, in his, is doing his glow in the dark tour. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm there. Uh, I'm 28. And I'm there with my 18-year-old brother. And just, just the two of us there at Bonnaroo. And it's our very first Bonnaroo. And he was scheduled to go on at like 2 in the morning, all right? Pearl Jam played long. <laughs> so Pearl Jam played like an extra hour. So the stage wasn't ready for him. So they actually moved him to the second stage, which pissed him off. Mm-hmm. So, and then... Uh, he refused to play on the second stage. So they moved him back to the main stage now that Pearl Jam was done. So we're you know, keep an eye on the updates and stuff, but we wanted to hear Kanye. So we're there at uh, 2.30 in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. 3.30 in the morning. People are pissed off by this point. Uh, they're, they're throwing chem lights onto the stage and they're, you know, there's, there's loud chants of, you know, F Kanye. People are just getting really, really angry. Um, cause this is at the end of a festival day. People are tired. <laughs> it, yeah. it was, it was, it was rough. He finally starts at about four 30 in the morning. Wow. I, I mean, this was the glow in the dark tour. So it was all about the lights and you know, his, his light show. And, uh, within 20 minutes, the sun starts coming up. Stop. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, there was so much, um, the next day Bonnaroo in, in encourages people to do their art on the walls and stuff. So there's a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of murals, a lot of, uh, freelance artists that are just, you know, painting. And, uh, so we went crash for a couple hours, you know, came back, uh, and within like three hours, cause that's all we really slept. Uh, there was all kinds of messages for Kanye because people were just, I mean, I, I think he only did half his set and he left. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there, there was F Kanye, there was Kanye's a gay fish. There was all kinds of, of uh, anti, it was hilarious in, in hindsight, but man, had a beef with him ever since I waited all night. And that was just ego. He, he's another one, you know, I, I, uh, I released a podcast episode on Kanye and, um, you know, 
to to watch Kanye West now from where he was back then is almost you can't recognize the person. And, and so I wonder, you know, I, I I wonder right around that 2007 time, was when did his mom die? I think it's like 2007, 2008, 2009. I think he lost his mind. And I and I think and I think we're we're, we're continuing to see that version of Kanye West who, you know, before it was about the artistry. I know money changes people and maybe I don't have enough money for it to change me. I guess that's like the hip hop quote that I've heard so much. Well, you, you can only have so many people tell you that you are a genius. You're the next coming of Michael Jackson and Prince combined of musical genius so many times before, you know, it can mess with your head a bit. I think I, I think he. I was talking to my wife. I think he is a genius. I, I yeah. think he's oh, a yeah. musical genius. Now I don't think he's a social genius. And I think I think sometimes that his that his uh, that people allow he and his stardom and his you know economic influence, his money. Um, I think people allow him to get to to exhibit bad behavior, and it's just that we wouldn't expect that anybody else. We wouldn't let anybody else do it or people don't hold him accountable. Yeah. That, and I think you, you nailed something there because if you don't have someone to tell you, you know, dude, no, that's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. Yep. Plain and simple. And, and, I, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, as an educator, that's why I do what I do. Um, you know, I, I work on a, a large college campus and I'm a mentor for a lot of the, um, young men in their 1920s, 21s, so and so forth. And if you're a man that doesn't have connection, if you're a man that doesn't have accountability, if you're a man that has a whole bunch of people that are just yes men around you, that's dangerous. And I think Kanye West was was terrible is that he is 45 years old with a whole bunch of yes men. And that's very, very dangerous to be that old yeah. without accountability. No accountability, everyone telling you you're a genius and you got a ton of money. It's a ton of money. That's that's a bad mixture. But then you also have some alleged substance abuse challenges. And you you also have some, you know, some mental health challenges. And and it's just, and everything is, you know, 90 on the freeway, you know, mentally. And and I like Kanye as an artist, you know, but I I, I will always, you know, and just my, my sort of way I look at it, I rather Kanye West, the man, have peace. If Kanye West, the artist, never put out another album, but Kanye West, the man, have peace, I would be perfectly okay with that because he seems like someone who could just crash and burn and what a burn it would be and everybody will rejoice around the fire. Yeah, and, and there's and music history is littered with those crash and burn stories. And, and I, I, I hope he, that never happens to him. I, I don't know what his uh, you know recent musical outlets have been. Yeah, I, I hope the man finds his uh, his his happy place more or less. He needs it. We all need it. Lord knows we 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 all need it. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I hope he finds his happy place. Being married on a reality show is not a happy place. That's no no matter. Yeah, yeah, but but when you're addicted to the fame or to the infamy, yeah, you know either one. When you're addicted to the fame or to the infamy. And where anything, everything he says is a headline. Everything he does is a headline. Everyone he dates is a headline. Everything, I don't know 
how do you go back to normalcy? And so, um, and so, yeah, I just hope he's not like, you know, Prince, Michael Jackson, Amy Winehouse, Jimi Hendrix, Kurt Cobain. Well, I mean, he's a little bit younger, but like, but I, I hope he doesn't flame out in that same type of, in that same type of way in which people are like, well, we didn't see it coming. Like, he should have. He should have because he... <laughs> yeah, Prince is a great example there. I mean, a musical genius who oh. had no one around him to tell him no. No. Yep. It, it, it's... And it's just, you need it. My, uh, Prince, Michael Jackson, I mean, you're talking about, you know, and I, and I, I empathize because they were addicts. And, 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 and you're, you're an addict with, without anyone to say, you know, talk to, instead of talking to Prince, talk to Prince Michael Nelson Rogers, whatever his full name is. Like, talk to him the man to, as the man as, as opposed to the product. And I think that's one of the, you know, the, perhaps the ills of life and the ills of entertainment in which your artistry, your humanity, you know, um, almost has to be sacrificed for your artistry. And I love music. I'm a hip hop nerd, but I love humanity more than I love music. And, and so, you know, for a lot of these artists and it's for people in general, be creative, but it doesn't have to cost you, you. Kanye needs to go on your podcast and talk it out. He wouldn't like me. <laughs> he wouldn't like me. I, I'm, I'm not a yes man. So, so yeah, we may last two minutes and he probably wouldn't show up on time. He wouldn't like me. And, and um, yeah, you know, I, I know I wouldn't be his cup of tea. He has, he, he, needs, he has to go somewhere else where everyone is, is smitten with his genius. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, Aaron, I'd like to thank you for your time today. It was a pleasure to sit and talk with you about B by Common. Uh, thank you. Um, you know, I look forward to uh, checking this out and, um, yeah, and then hopefully being on another episode. We could talk movies, we could talk music, we could talk whatever. Uh, it's definitely been an absolutely, uh, absolute joy to spend time with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Music Rewind, a podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. As I always say, listen to the full album. Until next time. A podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. Back to you, anchors.